especially in most Western cultures, busyness is viewed as a form of status. You know, if people say, oh, I'm so busy, I'm just overbooked. Well, you you yourself are feeling important. People around you often view that as, oh, wow, she must be so in demand. And so emotionally, it actually is hard for us to take the steps necessary to stop being so busy, to, to get off the treadmill a little bit, because it's a blow to our ego. And so dealing with that is really important if we want to solve the problem. Hi, this is Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady, host of the Small Biz Chat Podcast. I want to serve you. This pandemic has been so hard on America's small businesses and on just America in general. If you're ready to start your dream business, boy, do I have a great offer for you. I am giving away 1,000 copies of my best-selling book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months. Over 100,000 people have this book. It has been printed in multiple languages around the world, and I wanted to find a way to serve America's small businesses in this pandemic. And so I'm giving away a thousand copies of my book. All you have to do to get your copy is head over to beginmybiz.com slash free offer to, you know, sign up for your copy. All you have to do is pay shipping and we will mail one out to you. I am so excited about this. I want to serve you. Grab your copy today. Ending small business failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure, and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's the small biz lady herself, Melinda Emerson. Hi, everybody. I'm Melinda Emerson, small biz lady, America's number one small business expert, and I'd like to welcome you to the Small Biz Chat Podcast. The Small Biz Chef Podcast is a peer-to-peer interview show that gives small business owners a way to get invaluable business advice. The mission of Small Biz Chat is to end small business failure. The goal of the Small Biz Chat Podcast is to give our small business audience the opportunity to hear sage advice from multiple angles so that you can take your business to the next level. All right, it is time for me to introduce my guest, my dear friend, Dory Clark. She has been named one of the top 50 business thinkers in the world by Thinkers 50. She's a keynote speaker and leadership expert. She also teaches for the Duke University Fuqua School of Business. She's also the author of Entrepreneurial You, Reinventing You and Stand Out, which Inc. Magazine named the number one leadership book of the year. And her latest book is The Long Game, How to Be a Long-Term Thinker in a Short-Term World. Now, for more information on her, just head over to DoryClark.com. Dory, welcome, welcome to Small Biz Chat Live. Hey, Melinda. I'm so glad to be here with you. You know, I know your story, but everyone else doesn't. Give me like your origin story. How did you become like America's leadership guru? And, and a college professor to boot. Tell me your, how you how you got on this journey. Oh, well, thank you so much. I, th- I think that my story is probably not dissimilar to many other small business owners. I had worked as a, a journalist and gotten laid off and I had worked on political campaigns and they all lost and you have to keep pulling yourself back up. And eventually I became a nonprofit executive director. And about a year into doing it, I had this revelation that running a nonprofit was exactly the same thing as running a small business. And I thought I should be doing this for myself. So for the past 15 years, I have been self-employed and have just worked since then to 
continue uh, being fortunate enough to get to get to do cool things to consult and uh, and ex- do executive coaching and hopefully continue reaching more people. Tell me something. I, I know that, you know, in your books, you talk a lot about people confuse being busy for being important. And I wanted to start there because I just thought that was such a powerful concept because for years, I've always said that people mistake busyness for business. And I think this is like kind of the same thing. You know, these people that just want to go to networking events and keep talking to people, but they're not like making sales, like it's a problem. But I really wanted, this is a more strategic question than that about, you know, why people confuse these two concepts. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think this is important because just about everybody we know, just about every professional, every small business owner says, oh, wow, I wish I were less busy. And they point to the obvious culprits like meetings and emails and things like that, which is true. You know, we all have too much of that. But in addition to it, as I was researching the long game, one of the pieces of of research that I came across that I thought was most interesting is it turns out there are actually subtle almost unconscious factors that are contributing to us being so busy. And one of them, according to research from Columbia University, is that especially in most Western cultures, busyness is viewed as a form of status. You know, if people say, oh, I'm I'm so busy, I'm just overbooked. Well, you, you yourself are feeling important. People around you often view that as, oh, wow, she must be so in demand. And so emotionally, it actually is hard for us to take the steps necessary to stop being so busy, to to get off the treadmill a little bit, because it's a blow to our ego. And so dealing with that is really important if we want to solve the problem. I agree. I agree. So what kind of strategies have you incorporated into your weekly schedule to maximize your time? Yeah. So one of the most important things, and I've done this for a number of years, actually, and it's really become a a fairly ingrained habit, is drawing on uh, a framework that Paul Graham, the founder of the Silicon Valley incubator Y Combinator, has put forward. He talks about the difference between manager time and maker time. And manager time is the time that we all have to spend where we're supervising things, we're answering messages, we're having meetings, we're directing things, we've all got to do it. But in addition to that, he talks about maker time. And this is the deep work, important stuff. It's finishing that proposal finally. It's writing that article, you know, whatever the things are that we often put off, but are really important. And so what I have come to realize is that if you try to combine manager activities and maker activities right next to each other, it usually doesn't work. And so I've separated out in my calendar, manager days and maker days, manager days, back to back, crazy. It's not that much fun, honestly, but what it enables is for me to have deep work maker days where I can really move the ball forward and get things done. Interesting. Interesting. I I think I do something similar, but I don't call it that. But I set aside specific days for content development. And then I do my my meetings and I don't do a 30 minute meeting with anybody more than 30 minutes with anybody. I don't care what it is. So those are some of the things that I do. But tell me about your book, your new book, The Long Game. I mean, you've written a lot about, you know, personal branding and reinvention. So tell me why you decided to do a book on how to, I loved your, you said, how to be a long-term thinker in a short-term world. Tell me, tell me about that because I've done some reading and research about sort of like thinking fast and slow. And I was curious as to whether or not 
you know, your re that research kind of informed what you're talking about here. Yeah. So what you're describing, the research by Daniel Kahneman, the Nobel Prize winner, is, I think, really fantastic. He talks about decision science and how we make our decisions. And there's some really interesting insights there. I am talking about something I would say adjacent to it, which is the fact that I think all of us can recognize that so many of the pressures in our society today, uh, which you know is not helped by social media, is for short-term outcomes. You know, we look around, and especially if you are a small business owner, and perhaps especially if you are a little newer to the game, you often look around and say, oh my gosh, everyone else seems to be getting there faster than I am. You know, am I doing the right thing? I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. Maybe I should be trying something else. Maybe I should be on YouTube. Oh no, maybe I should be on Clubhouse. And we get into this spiral. And as it turns out, Many times it means we can actually never get traction at anything because you give up too quickly when actually you should just be doing it a little more, doing it a little longer. And I, for the past five years, I've been running an online course and community called Recognized Expert for professionals that are looking to grow their platform, get better known, get their ideas out there. And so I have seen in a wide swath of folks, it's, it's given me pretty good longitudinal knowledge and breadth of what the process looks like for people to really break through. And what I've seen is that so often that problem is that we just get whiplash because we, we never do anything long enough to really see the results. And I wanted to create a book and a framework for people with a long game so that they could really essentially be bucked up enough to persevere where they need to and to be able to get through those really hard moments that almost all small business owners experience where you're just not sure if it's not working or if it's not working yet, but you've got to get through to the other side. Interesting. So why do you think it's so much more difficult now than it was like even 10 years ago to sort of like think long-term, if you will, instead of like these more like kind of transactional things you like kind of see people do? Yeah, well, certainly short-term thinking, I mean, it's endemic to human nature. So it's been with us for a long time. But one thing that I thought was, was interesting as I was researching the long game, there was a, a fun quote that I came across from a hundred plus years ago. It was from a satirist of the time named H.L. Mencken. And his quote, which I loved, was the true measure of success is making $100 more a year than your brother-in-law does. And it's perfect. And I thought, yes, but now the problem in 2021 is that it's not just your brother-in-law. It's everybody. We're comparing ourselves to everybody because we live in this global connected world with social media and all the images. And so we are constantly seeing images of success that, that kind of rattle us sometimes if things are not going as fast as we want. And the truth is things never go as fast as we want. And so I, I really wanted to, to just address that. The truth is things do, do take longer than we want, but the best things are worth working toward and working through those difficult times. Well, just on that point though, don't you feel like social media has become like people's personal highlight reels, like nobody, unless there's a death, nobody posts, hey, I starred in the super most terrible, worst, worst, worst day ever today. Let me tell you about that on social media. Like, I feel like people don't do that. Like whenever you see people, everyone's always posed perfectly for the picture. And you know what I mean? Like, what about that culture of feeling like you have to put on a happy face, even if there's not a happy face to be put on? 
Yeah, absolutely. There's there's just so so much of that. Even <laughs> my mother was up visiting visiting me this past week, and uh, I was having a conversation with a group of people at dinner, and somehow it, it came up about you know like the fake Instagram influencers, and I'm like, oh my god, everybody's you know posing in front of their Lamborghini. So my mother takes out her phone and she starts clicking around. And then she holds up a picture of her next to a Lamborghini. I'm like, even you, mama, even you. <laughs> right, right. These rented cars that people want to take pictures in front of. I know it's really kind of scary. But one of the other things you talked about in your book is like you said, you know, how can we say no to good opportunities? And what else is involved in the process of thinking through, like you said, sometimes you got to say no to some stuff, even if it's a good opportunity. And I really wanted to walk down that road with you. Help me understand what you're talking about, Dora. Is it, is it the same thing as like all money ain't good money? Is that, is that really what this comes down to? How, how are you teaching people here? Right. Well, I think Melinda, this is, this is really where the, strategy part of the strategic thinking comes in because you know most of us it's not always easy to say no even to a bad opportunity because we might feel bad or oh their feelings will be hurt but most of us are at least smart enough to know okay that's a bad opportunity i need to i need to say no to it but the problem that i have seen it again, time and again among successful people and this is this is really the challenge is at a certain point if you get successful enough a lot of good opportunities are going to come to you. That's amazing, but it's still a problem because you don't have time for all of them. And if you actually want to enable your strategy, the things that you have made choices about, and you said, yes, this is where I want to make my mark, not here, not there, here, you have to make choices that enable you to have enough time and energy and effort to put toward your goal and your vision, not somebody else's. And that means, unfortunately, sometimes even saying no to good things. And we're not in that habit. You know, when you're 22 years old and, you know, nothing's coming to you anyway, you see a good opportunity. You're like, fantastic, I'll do it. But you can't keep doing that once you've become successful. You have to make the hard choices. What was a turning point in your career where you really felt like, it just wasn't in your best interest to say yes to so much stuff. Like I'm assuming you came up with this because it happened to you, right? <laughs> that is, that is true. Yes. I had an experience and I write about this in the long game where a friend reached out to me and she wanted to know this. She, she sent this email and my first reaction was, Oh my God, this sounds incredible. And then I walked it back and I started thinking about it. She was part of an organization that had decided that they wanted to invite me to be a speaker at a conference they were having in the Caribbean. And would I be interested? They would pay for my trip and my hotel to the Caribbean. And on one hand, I thought this was amazing. But then I realized, wait a minute, you got to think about this story. Because first of all, a question you always have to ask yourself is what is the total cost of this? How does this factor in? And I could technically have done it. But looking out, I was going to be traveling the week before. I was going to be traveling the week after. This is obviously pre-COVID. And I thought, oh my gosh, three weeks on the road. I'm going to be so exhausted. Will I even enjoy it? Now, that sounds kind of intense. Of course, this was an unpaid uh, trip. They, they would have paid for my expenses, but they were not going to pay me. And I thought, well, that's nice. But, you know, it's, it's a vacation. But would I choose to spend my vacation like, like that? I don't know. Maybe I would have done something else. And then I realized... 
actually the biggest attraction was just getting to spend time with my friend. But I thought she lives in my city. I can actually just invite her for dinner and I don't have to go to Grand Cayman in order to see her. And so ultimately I said, no, even though it would have technically been a good opportunity, but going through that thought process made me realize we all have to get a little smarter about this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So tell me when you say that everyone needs to build a life portfolio, what is that? Yes. So when it comes to investing, you know, in- investing your income, almost everybody knows the basic idea of like, okay, don't put all your money in one stock, right? Where if you know one thing, you know that it's like, okay, diversify. That's great. But the problem is that so often in our own careers, we are not doing this. And so w- there's the high chance if you don't diversify properly that, you know, if you are doing something, you know, some particular service that you're providing or you're providing uh, services or products to a particular audience, something might change in the marketplace and it begins to put you at risk. And so what I like to suggest, and I have a whole section uh, in the long game about this, is that we essentially need to think about what we do with, with our businesses and with our careers as being a portfolio where there's the bonds that are nice and safe and steady, but there's also the risky and more experimental things. And so we talk about applying Google's 20% time concept, where you spend up to a fifth of your time on something that, you know, really might not work. It's uh, very experimental. We need to be doing this ourselves and choosing to develop this in our own careers, in our own businesses, because that's what enables us to stay on the cutting edge and to be exploring things enough so that if the market changes, we are not unprepared for it. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, we're going to take a break. And when we come right back, we're going to talk more with Dory Clark about thinking long term in a short term world. And we'll be right back. People always ask me, how can I become my own boss? With multiple features in the New York Times, Forbes and on ABC News as America's number one small business expert, I know a thing or two about how to do it. Hi, I'm Melinda Emerson, Small Biz Lady, and I've been coaching small business owners since 2008. That's right, I've been helping small business owners plan for success since the last recession, and I'm still here reaching over 3 million small business owners a week online. I've spent the last 12 years compiling exactly what I did to become my own boss. I even broke it down into a six-step system in my best-selling book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months. Over 100,000 people in multiple languages around the world have this book. And due to the pandemic, I know people need help. If you're ready to transition successfully from being an employee into your own business, I'm here to help. I'm giving away 1,000 copies of Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months for free. All you need to do is pay for shipping. That's right, I'm giving away a thousand copies for free. If you've always wanted to start your dream business, let me give you a roadmap to success. This offer will only be available while supplies last, and when they're gone, they're gone. Click on the button to grab your copy today. Welcome back, everybody, to the Small Biz Chat Podcast. We've been talking with Dory Clark about her brand new book, The Long Game. All right, Dory, tell me, what are career waves? Yes, Melinda. 
So one of the things that I have seen talking to a lot of small business people and entrepreneurs where they get frustrated sometimes, they feel like I'm working so hard, but I'm not making the progress I want. What's wrong? And almost always what I have discovered is that they are not thinking in waves, which is a concept I talk about in the long game. So in our career waves, we really need to realize that there, there's a time to focus your energy on doing one particular type of thing, but then you can't keep doing it forever. You have to shift and move on to the next phase. And so what I identify in the long game is four key phases. The first is, is the learning phase where you're just acclimating. You know, in my case, when I was starting my business, I was a maniac reading books, taking workshops, just figuring out the lay of the land. I think we all have to get there. The second phase is what I, what I call sharing and creating, because that's where you have to start putting your own stuff out there. You know, get your products out there, get your ideas out there. People, people need to, to see what you can do. The third wave is connecting because you have to build your community. It's a community of customers. It's also a, a community of collaborators and, and peers that you, you work with and you know, fellow business owners. And then finally, it's the reaping phase, which is where you know, you're humming along. You're pretty successful. Now you can enjoy it and you should enjoy it. But here's the key. You can't stay there forever either, even though it's nice. You need to circle around and start learning again or we stagnate. I could not agree more. What an interesting metaphor. So can you explain the distance to empty concept? I certainly can. Yes. So distance to empty, that's a phrase that some people will know from watching their gas tank in their car. We see, oh, you know, this, this many miles to empty. And my friend, Dave Crenshaw, who is a time management and productivity expert that I profile in the long game, talks about this. As business owners and entrepreneurs and, and small business owners, we often work crazy, ridiculous hours. And we know it's a problem, but we don't really know what to do about it. And so I loved Dave's formulation. And what he, what he says is just like distance to empty, where you can actually see, oh, I've got this many miles to go before I, uh, before I have to get gas. He says, where we often go wrong, let's say we're working till nine o'clock at night. That's no good. We know it's no good. And so you vow, well, tomorrow I'm going to stop at five. Well, that's not very practical. That's probably not going to work. And so Dave says we need to, to ratchet it back slowly and steadily so that we can continue to be aware of what is our distance to empty and slowly and steadily be able to make the right choices so that we can get the the lifestyle that, that we want, but it's a slower process. We can't do it overnight or it's going to blow up and it's not going to work. I, I think that's really, really good advice. All right, Dory, what is the best business advice you ever got? The best business advice I ever got. And thanks to COVID, I think, Melinda, the world caught up with me, but it was, gee, Dory, you don't really need to have an office. You can save a lot of money by working from home. <laughs> Love it. All right, where can we get your book, The Long Game? Thank you so much. The The best way that people can find out about my work, get the long game, get the long game self-assessment, free strategic thinking self-assessment. Just go to doryclark.com slash long game. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Dory, for being here. Um, I always enjoy talking to you. What is your favorite podcast? My favorite podcast, of course, besides yours, Melinda, is Marketing Secrets by Russell Brunson. 
I like his podcast too. I like his. All right, Dory, what's your favorite app? I feel like all I do is is like write contracts and and sign contracts. So I use TurboScan, which is a scanning app so that I don't actually have to have a big scanner like you did 10 years ago. Love it. Love it. That's actually one I haven't heard of. So TurboScan. All right. Love it. All right, Dory, what's your favorite old school marketing tip? Well, I'm in the, just like you, Melinda, I'm in the thick of book promotion right now for the long game. So the way I'm kicking it old school, I literally have an Excel spreadsheet of people that I know, and I call it people who can help with the book. And so over (laughs) the past year, I've been keeping this spreadsheet. And every time I think of a person that remotely could help with a book, I put them in it. And then I write down how I, how they can help. Maybe it's an Amazon review. Maybe it's social media. Maybe they have an email list. But I have been and am continuing to just email people through this Excel file uh, to mobilize help. Listen, I, Excel spreadsheets is an old school marketing tip. What's one of the best business books you've ever read? For me, the OG business book is Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion by Robert Cialdini. Good one. Good one. Listen, thank you all for joining me for this episode of the Small Biz Chat Podcast. If you're still working on your digital pivot, be sure to grab my new book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months, Revised and Expanded. I've got all of the great stuff in there that you need, like how to sell on Amazon, how to buy ads, and how to develop a sales process. You can get your copy today. Head over to Become Your Own Boss book. And I've got some amazing bonuses over there. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Small Biz Chat Podcast. The mission of Small Biz Chat is to end small business failure. I'm Melinda Emerson, Small Biz Lady, your host. Until next time, remember this, you never lose in business. Either you win or you learn. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Melinda Emerson. For more resources and small business success strategies, visit succeedasyourownboss.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday.